0: The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app, TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of True Connect exclusively for Raider Nation. Raider Nation, wake up and get ready because it's time for the morning grind on the official Raiders podcast network. Good morning, Raider Nation. My name is Lincoln Kennedy, and today is October 25th, 2022. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Morning Grind. Well, it wasn't that exciting when. Uh, It wasn't until the fourth quarter where the Raiders came alive offensively uh, against the Texans, but they pulled it out. And I have to say, it's something that I was telling Jason Horowitz, my play-by-play guy on the radio, that I just wanted to see a complete game. And it was a complete game you know, you got to give credit to the other team. Sometimes I think Houston came in with a decent plan on how they were going to slow the Raiders down. They didn't have as much firepower as the Raiders did. And even the Raiders were somewhat shorthanded without having Darren Waller there. Uh, And then, you know, Hunter Renfro was a game time decision, but he was out there and he did play. But with that being said, you know, you talk about the, the, the defense, Nate Hobbs is on IR, which leaves a hole in the secondary, in my opinion. Um, And they just got Anthony Everett back uh, for that game. So he was a little bit rusty as well. But you talk about, you know, Denzel Perryman being a little banged up coming off of the concussion protocol and and a couple other injuries and how you kind of needed all hands on deck. And I think that that came through. I was impressed with the Raiders held in there. Obviously, the pick six by Harmon was big, but how the Raiders hung in there. And then more importantly, how they were able to take over in the fourth quarter. It's been a long time since I had the, the been able to say that about this team. Um, we've seen flashes, spurts. We've seen two games where they had double-digit leads and lost both of them. And in the fourth quarter, we saw this team come alive. When it needed to get it done, it got it done. And I went into this past game, Raider Nation, with the focus on we need more TDs than threes. And I was thinking that the Raiders you know, have had – production in the open field but when they get in the red zone they fizzle out and though most people will sit there and might might be satisfied or might be open to the suggestion well you getting you're getting threes you are putting some points on the board that's not enough uh, and, and you guys can look at history and see that that's not enough you put sevens on the board versus field goals you change the complexion not only what you got going on for you but how the other team views you and know, what they can do to you And so you put pressure on the opposing offenses, especially there. And the game might have come out a little bit different if they were only threes. But because they were sevens, it made it that much more difficult for the Texans to go in there and they have to score touchdowns. So uh, it wasn't until the fourth quarter where they created separation. But with that being said, let's get into the the whole breakdown of what we're going to talk about this morning. Got to give some love to that offensive line and Josh Jacobs. Uh, I will talk more about Jacobs in a minute. But here's the thing. When I when I found out that they were going to be starting Bars instead of Simpson or Cotton, I was like, oh, Alex Bars is, is a solid player. Wasn't anything I would write home about, but a solid player. And he was what I call a tryhard. And uh, to me, a tryhard is a guy who's going to go out there and give it his all. Might not be as athletic as everyone else, might not be as strong as everyone else, but he's going to give it his all. And he's a guy that that you can build a team around because you know that if he takes the mentality that, that I'm going to go out there and do it than anyone can, regardless of the star factor or what have you. And then Andre James came into the fold. You already know how high they are in Dylan Parham. Uh, since they drafted the young man in the third round, everyone's raved about his future, and I think he does have a bright future. But Munford, who came in as a seventh-round pick out of Ohio State, and he's been dealing with a lot of injuries. And he took over for Illuminor in the game after Illuminor went down and became a little bit hobbled. And, and months where, you know what, for, for what it's worth, I, I got to applaud him and commend him for the job that he did. There were some times they put him out on, on an island alone to protect. And and earlier in the season when that's happened, it hasn't necessarily been good. I can't recall the game and they gave up a sack, but the guy, he turned his shoulders too quickly. I think it was the Tennessee game. Turned his shoulders too quickly and ended up giving up a sack. But he played well against the Texans. You already know what you have in Colton Miller, so it's, it's not even worth mentioning. But collectively, with the offensive line and the addition, or the you know uh, coming back into the fold as Foster Moreau, the 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 ability to the do the type of run plays they did, not only run between the tackles, but they were able to get the big boys outside. Both Munford and, uh, and Miller were able to get on the outside of the perimeter and block smaller guys. That's that's very impressive, and 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 it's impressive because this offensive line collectively has had to to take some time to be put together. And I was impressed thoroughly with the game that they played. Uh, You're going to have your breakdowns every now and then. You're going to give up your miscues. There's going to be, you got to commend the other team. Those guys get paid too. But when you go out and you put together a, a total performance, I thought it was solid across the board for the offensive line. I'm tipping my cap to them. And then that leads me to my next point. When we talk about Josh Jacobs, you know, coming into this year, the Raiders had some big decisions they had to make. Now obviously in that first round a few years back, the Raiders took Cleveland Farrell, took Jonathan Abram, and Josh Jacobs. All first rounds. All first had first round options if you if the team wanted to pick up. And specifically talking about Jacobs, the team chose not to pick up Jacobs. Two reasons, in my opinion. First and foremost, Running back is completely undervalued these days. Most teams think you can get away with running back by committee rather than to commit one, big resources to one. they much rather spread it out over two and three. And it might have been the case when you look at, you know, Brown and some of the other guys that they brought in to in the running back class that they thought they were going to have to share the backfield with Jacobs. But since the beginning, and this goes back to even preseason when it didn't count, but it did count, if, if that makes sense, Raider Nation. Because you saw Jacob's running with a fierceness, a determination, a, a, a ferocity, and and just he he wasn't going to be brought down easy. He didn't want to be stopped. I commend him for that. I, I've been impressed with this young man since he came out of Alabama. He came out he came out early, and and prior to that, prior to him coming out early, there was a popular notion around the NFL that Alabama running backs. Uh, because Nick Saban practiced so hard and worked them so much when they played at Alabama, had very very few snaps on a professional level if they made it there. And you know you can look at the the, the pass backs and you can, you try to make your own assessment. But in my opinion, the fact that Jacobs came out early and he was already good as a junior, I saw well this this will be wonderful. And for the most part, through the early stages of his career. He was always running hard. It wasn't a case that he just wasn't durable enough to be out in the football field, all all the time. And that was a big, that was a big deal, because if you used him early, like the, the coaches staffs that had him used him early, he wasn't available later in the year. Last year was a little bit different with him and Kenyon Drake in the the backfield. They had they were able to split time. And Josh Jacobs, even though the offensive line wasn't very good and the play calling was, wasn't as good as it should have been, never really got off. Never, I mean, he had a solid year, but not as not as like the one he's having right now, which is very impressive. We'll talk more in detail about that. But he was able to finish the year somewhat healthy. So I thought coming into this year, before the contract stuff happened, I thought this was going to be his year to really step it up and stand out. Plus, my understanding of Coach McDaniel's philosophy, especially when he was at New England, was he wants to run the football. They want to be a run-first team. Of course, you're going to have weapons to pass to and you got a quarterbacks capable, so you can open up that. But you want to be a run-first team because it's, it, it sets an attitude. It, it establishes a, a, a feeling of confidence, especially out of your big guys up front who enjoy going forward rather than always backing up catching guys. They want to go forward and hit people. So coming into the season, I'm I'm looking at the, the the you know the list of players and seeing who we have on the offensive line. I know that's been a scramble until now, hasn't really been established. Josh Jacobs, you've got you've got a fullback and and uh and Joseph and but yet the same at the same time, you don't have a over the top strong blocking tight end to get on the perimeter. Now Foster Moreau is better than Darren Waller when it comes to blocking. I will give you that. Uh, and Foster has been in and out of the huddle, in and out of the huddle because they don't always want to go with two tight ends. Um, you you still lose your your you lose your effectiveness when you have to go two tight ends and two backs because then you can only have one receiver. So uh, you know you you're trying to open things up and trying to spread people out so you can run in a softer box. But and before I get too carried away, we'll get back to Jacobs. The thing is, is that until the Texans game. We saw flashes of it, but it wasn't like they could really stay with it. But keep in mind, you know, the past three games, Josh Jacobs ran over for, over 140 yards. Didn't always equal a win, but he ran over 140 yards until now. You know, so he's in good company because it was Marcus Allen and Derek McFadden are the only other two running backs in franchise history to rush for 140 yards and three touchdowns in a single game over for more than 140 yards and three touchdowns and and it hasn't been done since the Darren McFadden did it in 2010 so you know Jacobs now owns 12 career 100 100 yard rushing and the fifth most in franchise history now you think about the Raiders history and the great running backs that the Raiders had you know there's a couple things that come into consideration the Raiders were sort of a transplant team. They got guys at the end of their career. They did draft guys. I mean, obviously, you talk about uh, Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen. They drafted, but then they, then Bo Jackson gave up to the injuries. His body went to circadian injuries, and they traded Marcus Allen before he was in the, the end of his career. But while they were there, they were both great Raiders. That's a pretty good class, a pretty good running class. So, in my opinion, I think Jacobs has earned. new contract I think he's earned his time and definitely wants to stay a Raider and I think it would be great for the Raiders because he's very charismatic he's well-spoken people like him they're drawn to him and right now you want to try to create as much stability as you could have with this team going forward regardless of what happens with the rest of the season you got to create some stability if you think about this team collectively Raider Nation You think about the coaching staff, you think about the roster, how many times it's turned over, there's no stability in this locker room. So you got to create stability. And what better way to create stability on the back of success? And a running back can do that for you. I played with some good ones in my time. Um, And and, and so I I, I can speak on that. I, I know what it does also for an offense when you talk about confidence overall. Just so many things that can open up. And we saw the versatility in that Houston Texans game when the Raiders were able to establish a run and finish with the run to finish football games. It's a great feeling. It's a beautiful feeling. So in all, as we get ready for new Orleans and get ready for Jacksonville in this next run over the next couple of weeks, all winnable games. And I'm hoping that next week when we talk, I'm just as happy as I am today about what I saw because I love running between the tackles. I love the physical nature. I love Josh Jacobs hard to bring down. He's not going down easy. He's not trying to run out of bounds. He's trying to run through people. He's trying to get those extra yards, and he's trying to get wins. So I commend him. I tip my hat to that young man, too. All in all, tip my hat to the Raiders. It was a good win, a convincing win. Good to see it. Now they know they can do it. Got to keep doing it. So let's stay with it. That's going to do it for this episode of Morning Grind, Raider Nation. I'm Lincoln Kennedy, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Morning Grind on the Raiders Podcast Network.